Good Monday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Your local call-in number, 701-293-9000. Toll-free number, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Or you can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. Good afternoon, Nateel. How are you? Pretty good. How are you today, Rob? I'm doing pretty good. Cold today. It is. It got chilly. <laughs> it's only supposed to last oh. for a little bit, though, so we can't complain too as long much. As, we, as, as long as we don't get one of those April blizzards, I'm fine. Yeah, d- d- make We're the sign there. of the cross. Don't jinx us, man. Come I'm on knocking now. on wood. I'm knocking on wood as I said it. Oops. I'm making the dogs bark now. <laughs> <laughs> they know what you've yeah, done. I, 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 I work from home, folks, so sometimes you're going to hear the UPS guy ring the doorbell or the dog start barking in the background. I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, all right, so we got a good show coming up. Uh, State Board of High Ed President uh, Kathy Nesset is going to be on the program. We're going to be uh, talking about, uh, obviously, it's been a pretty tough legislative session for higher ed. They're taking a lot of budget cuts. Uh, some faculty, and there was a report in the NDSU student newspaper, the the uh, the Spectrum, um, regarding a, a meeting of faculty who, who came out and said, uh, essentially, that you know, they didn't feel like the board was standing up for higher ed. So I'm going to talk with her about that. And also some of the sports stuff oh, over the weekend, by the way, because, uh, you know, I, I wrote about it several times on the blog last week. My Sunday print column was about, uh, you know, the, 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 athletic, the financial situation with athletics. I talked about it on the show. Um, pretty remarkable some of the feedback I'm getting. Uh, in, in remarkable in a, in a couple of ways. Uh, you know, first I, I get the usual from you know the, the the sports fanatics who are just absolutely irrational about it, and you know, no matter what you tell them, they're not going to look at this reasonably. Um, also, got a lot of very reasoned responses. Um, you know, where I'm pointing out UND NDSU losing millions of dollars on sports programs, um, or or I, I guess you know because it's not. I mean, it's tough. We're talking about public institutions and. You know, the English department at UND, I'm sure, doesn't turn a profit. Uh, and, and that's not, you know, profit is not necessarily the goal of a public institution. So maybe it's it's fair to say that these athletic programs cost the universities money, not that they lose money, but just that they don't, they don't subsist on their own revenues, which I, I think, you know, pierces a, a, a bubble that a lot of people live in with, with collegiate sports where they believe that it just sort of pays for itself or it's a net financial boon for the university. And it's, it's, it's not. Um, and I'm, I am just absolutely ecstatic that that we're having this conversation, which started of course with UND cutting the women's hockey program, the finances for that program, not very good. Um, I sort of use that as a jumping off point to start talking about finances uh, at UND and NDSU. And, and by the way, I, I'm aware we have, you know, other than those two schools, we have nine other institutions of higher public edu- public uh, institutions of higher education in the state. And listen, I know none of those programs make money either, and I want to do a, a dive into that stuff. I just haven't had time. Um, but it's easy with the two big schools because they have to report to the NCAA, uh, whereas the smaller schools throughout the rest of the state do not. Trust me, those programs are losing money too. But I'm I am just so happy th- that we're talking about this. I mean, even if I and, and trust me, I mean the, the UN the uh, Grand Forks Herald did an editorial on Sunday, I, I guess sort of scolding me and you know that that you know we we 
those of us who want to reform sports on campus are never going to win this argument. And maybe that's right. You know, it's it's so ingrained in our culture. It's so entrenched on campus. You know, the idea that 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 we're going to do what I would like to do, which is to move sports off campus and run them as like club teams separate from the universities. That's probably never going to happen. And I, I get that. But if I can if I can lead people to at least talking about this stuff and understanding that that the, the football program at NDSU does not revenue flow, that hockey at UND does not revenue flow, if we could talk that, that there is a cost that operating these programs put a burden on, on students, if we can get people to acknowledge that, because I don't think a lot of people understood that. I don't think a lot of people had that knowledge in their brains. And so if we can get there to, to the point where that's that's part of the debate, that's part of what we're talking about, then to me that's a win. And, and by the way, I, it was it was really interesting because at, at the Herald, they had an interview with UND President Mark Kennedy. And they actually asked Kennedy about some of my some of my posts. Um in a, in a question and answer, I guess he had with, with the editorial board or their reporters or, or whatever, and they published that on Sunday as well. Uh, here's the Herald asked. The Herald said, I quote, at sayanythingblog.com, Rob Port has a post where he says that UND uh, sports programs lost $13.3 million in 2016. He asked why colleges subsidize any sports at all, given that all of the sports seem to lose money in North Dakota, including men's hockey at UND. Football apparently loses more money. Uh, than women's hockey does. So why should UND subsidize intercollegiate sports? And Kennedy says, I have said many times and will say many times that sports are the front porch of the university. What that means is that the programs are the, quote, porch, where you invite others onto the property. And once they're there, they see what's inside, wonderful programs that you have, the great campus, the ambiance, the students. It attracts your future students, in other words, and not just your face-to-face programs, as it also helps create a brand for your online program. So that's the argument. And that, that's, that's, that's not an uncommon argument that sports programs, you know, attract and help recruit students on campus. But, well, where's the evidence that that's true? I went and af- after I read that, I actually went and I looked up the data at North Dakota State University and I looked up the enrollment data. And Obviously, NDSU, I mean, it's a great it's a great case study because NDSU just had five straight national championships, right, from 2011 to 2015. Pretty good run. And so what I did is I, I looked at the enrollment. I went all the way back to 2005, so we had a little bit of context, and I looked at the enrollment, enrollment around that championship run. And what I found is if you look at starting in 2010, which is the fall enrollment for 2010, which is the first year before uh, – the championship run, which started in 2011, and you go to 2016, which is enrollment the year after the last championship in that run. And during that run, Nathiel, how many students would you think? I mean, would how, what sort of growth would you expect in enrollment at NDSU? I'm guessing there probably wasn't much growth at all, honestly. 25 students. Yeah, that's that's a min- that's like a that's, minuscule that's amount of zero. a percent. It's 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 less it's it's zero point one seven percent increase. Now you could argue in, enrollment is a is a complicated issue. There's all sorts of factors. You know, sometimes the universities change admission standards. You know, there's there's a lot of factors that go into enrollment. But 
I guess my point is, is if 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 so many people are going to claim that big time sports, when the football team goes out and wins championships, or the hockey team, or whatever it is, goes out and wins championships, and that brings students to campus, then you would expect the numbers to to reflect that. Now, a lot of people have been pointing me to, I guess, a study that for, that was published in Forbes that says that that the number of applications increased at schools that won championships. And maybe that's true. Maybe at NDSU, and I don't have the data in front of me. Maybe at NDSU, applications did go up during that, you know, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, however many backs it is, five championships in a row. Maybe applications at NDSU did go go up. But if they did, well, then where's the increase in enrollment? I mean, if applications went up and then enrollment didn't go up, then are the quality of applications they're getting just not very good? Maybe that's the case. Maybe the sort of people who pick a school based on the football team – aren't exactly quality applicants. I don't know. It's not incumbent on me to prove the thing right. All I'm saying is there's no obvious correlation between sports championships and increased enrollment, and those making the claim maybe ought to back it up with data. What do you think? Love to hear from you. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Yes, I know I'm beating this issue to death a little bit. But listen, this is not something that gets covered a lot. I mean, it, it is, when I have written about this stuff in the past, and I, I have. I mean, I've gone back with the NCAA numbers and pointed out that the programs don't, the sports programs at UND and NDSU don't don't make money i've done that in the past and it's amazing how many people will fight you about that will just refuse to believe it it is it is a myth that is out there and and sometimes you really got to beat people over the head to change it and i i think i like to think that that some of what's happening here is people are starting to realize what's going on that there's really a problem i'm glad that we could talk about this um you know and again we we might not I understand that that my feelings about athletics on campus are not popular. They're not anywhere approaching the the majority. That's fine. I'm still going to make these points about the finances because I think it's important when we start making decisions about, you know, what conference should they be in, how many teams should be on the campus. When we talk about those things, we should understand that running a sports team has a cost. Two students, two taxpayers. Now, maybe you think that cost is justified. Some people think it is justified by the recruitment point that I just made that doesn't seem to actually be supported by facts in the actual enrollment numbers at UND or NDSU. But at least we can have that argument. I mean, at least at least the cost of the programs can be part of the debate. And if you feel like... If you feel like... It's a problem. I mean, if you feel like, you know, it's it's all justified, then fine. At least the costs were part of the debate. And that's all I'm really trying to accomplish. 
701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Kathy Nessett, president of the State Board of Higher Education, is going to be on the next segment. We'll talk with her about this. Detail, did you see this video from United Airlines? That's yeah, how the, uh, crazy is this video? How I, crazy is the whole situation? What is... I, I, I the, the airline is, has got to be managed by morons. I, I, I don't... Well, the, the CEO put out a statement today, and they're in some serious damage control at this point. Well, they should be because and, and listen, I've been in that situation. You know, I've been on flights, and I actually took it one time shortly before Christmas. I was flying back from somewhere, uh, and I think it was the I think it was the Minneapolis. I was flying into Bismarck, so I think it was the Minneapolis to Bismarck leg of my flight, uh, and they were overbooked, and they offered a five hundred dollar Amazon gift card for people who would. I didn't even have to stay overnight. I, I just had to wait till later that day. And I, I mean, I volunteered for it. But the way they did it is they announced it at the gate, right? Like, like everybody was still sitting around. They didn't wait till everybody boarded and then said, okay, now some people have to get back off the plane. Well, what, what it sounds like happened is that they, they were doing that, you know, we'll offer you the, the $500 travel voucher, and they kept right. upping it. Right, I think it. they went up to like 800 or something. And, and nobody took it. So then right. when everybody got on the plane, they decided, well, this is still going to happen. We're going to make it happen. Right. We're going to make it happen by beating somebody up and dragging. I, if, you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the video, it's on the Internet. Go find it. It can't be hard to find. Three people got off the plane willingly. Like they, they right. did a random draw, I guess, to figure out who they were going to pull off this flight because they had four employees that they needed to get on the flight that had to be at the destination city to basically work flights the next day. Yeah. And the first three people got off just fine. And then this last guy, he, he didn't. He, he, according to reports, I guess he claimed he was a doctor. And he had patients to go and see. And he had patients to go see. Now, that's what he's saying. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he's saying. Could be true. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's video. I mean, he, he got, when they're dragging him up, he looks like he got knocked out. He got a bloody nose. His glasses I, were all askew. Right. And he was limp. And, and I don't know. I mean, maybe he was just doing that in protest. Uh, or maybe he got knocked out. I don't know. I hope somebody's looking into assault charges because I'm not sure... You know, and uh, I don't know. It's a complicated situation. I, I just, I to me, it doesn't look like that's justified. I mean, he, he, by all appearances, he bought a ticket. He was on the flight legally. Uh, if you're asking, you know, I, I guess if you ask him to leave and he doesn't leave, I guess you could claim that he's trespassing or something at that point. But gosh, what a, what a horrible way to, to handle that. What a horrible way to handle that situation. And how scary for the other passengers on the plane, too. I can't imagine, like, if, if there were kids on that plane, I, that's got to right. be, like, the most terrifying experience. You're giving, <laughs> that's a great way to give a kid a phobia. Right. Okay? And then the flight ended up being, like, four hours late. Well, yeah, because I got to imagine that once something like that happens, and wasn't you got to get security involved and all that good stuff. Well, they, I guess they, had, they ended up having to deplane everybody and then, quote, unquote, tidy up the cabin. Well, and if he got, he got back, back on. on at some point. Like, they got right, him Right, he off. came wanting back, and he looked, like, confused and was like, I got to get home. I got to get home. Like, that's, it's weird. And I, I guess the people that they were trying to see were, like, United Airlines employees. Yes, they were employees that had to be in the destination city that that flight was going to in order to be at work the next day. 
I wonder if it's worth it. I mean, I, I imagine they were trying to save money by getting those people into that city, but I wonder if United Airlines, is it going to be worth it? United Airlines in the long run? I don't Considering think so. it was like a four and a half hour drive to the city, they could have just like rented them a car. By the time the plane actually took off, they could have rode a bus. All right. State Board of Higher Ed President Kathy Nessick coming up next. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. 888-970-9329. That's a toll-free number, 701-293-9000. That's a local number. You can uh, tweet me at Rob Porter, email talk at WDAY.com. My guest now is Kathy Nessett. She is the, the president of the State Board of Higher Education. Kathy, thanks for the time today. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, It's been a tough legislative session. How do you think it's going? I think it's going very well. Uh, these are truly dedicated people, professionals, trying to do uh, a tough task. Do you um, – I'm, I'm reading there's there's obviously – you know, at any time we start cutting budgets, you know, people aren't happy. It's emotional. It's it's hard. It's 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 hard. It's certainly a lot harder than increasing budgets. Um, one thing that, that caught my eye recently was a report – in the NDSU student newspaper, uh, the, the Spectrum, uh, and it was a group of faculty there, and, and some of the claims they're making is that they don't feel like the board or the university system is standing up for the institutions. Here's a quote, and this is from um, Mark Meester, chair of the communications department. Uh, he says, I quote, uh, well, I just lost it. Oh, uh, we're seeing, I think, an orchestrated attack on higher education, I believe there is a lack of support by the chancellor and the staff at the North Dakota State Board of Higher Education. Uh, he continues, I believe there's an orchestrated effort to publicly delegitimize higher education and faculty in the state of North Dakota. I believe uh, there's what I would call strategic ambivalence towards higher education issues in the North Dakota legislature. Now, he's saying specifically he doesn't feel like the board is supporting the institutions. What's your response to that? Well, I think it really um, comes to, obviously, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly, but I, I will preface this by saying that this board has the utmost respect for the faculty. I mean, we really realize that they are the ones who are, you know, in the classroom day to day with the students, and that's our number one concern is that relationship. But I will also say that, you know, to, you know, to say that there's a, there's a lack of support from either the chancellor, the system office, or the board, um, I think that we are just the opposite. We're at a time where this where this board is working so closely with the legislature. Um, it's something that you know our representatives and senators are working very hard to meet with the board. The board is meeting with uh, with them. I, I think if anything, we're at a we're at a point of strength and everybody on the same uh, the same side, the same team, trying to uh, further the cause for our students. Do you, and maybe that's part of the problem they're perceiving. Certainly, in this in the, in the history of higher education in North Dakota, there's been no shortage of of tense moments between uh, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the university system. Um, 
do you feel like that's like like maybe the faculty feels like now you're on the legislature's side against them? I mean, is that what they're perceiving? I mean, because you, you're you're saying you're working closely with the legislature, which, by the way, I perceive as a good thing. I, I see that as 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 a welcome change from from maybe some of the leadership we've had in the past. But do you think from their perspective, they see you as working with the legislature against higher ed? Oh, I certainly hope not. And if, if they do, then, then, then I would take the fault that I should better communicate to, you know, directly to the faculty um, or through our faculty representatives and, um, and, and make sure that that understanding is that, no, the, I, as I said, I have the utmost respect for the faculty. And any, any comments that may have come out of the, um, the Spectrum article regarding that, um, the meeting on the NDSU campus, I, I, read the, I read the report, I read the article on it. It was, um, I, th- I think it was just a misunderstanding. I, I am certainly not going to, you know, to take any, you know, hard feelings over that. I think it was a misunderstanding and, and better communication, just as we needed to get better communications with our legislature. I do believe that we are all on the same team, um, and that is for the students. You, you say that this session's going great. Obviously, there's been big budget cuts. Um, explain that. I mean, what, what do you see good coming out of this legislative session? Well, I've been I've been I've been fortunate enough to be in Bismarck a couple of times here and and see the work firsthand that our legislators do and whether it's in committee work or you know just how it is being done. I'm I'm impressed by the professionalism and when you you know you've um, you know stated you know cutting budgets is tough work. I mean that's that is difficult. And I'm not going to say that, you know, that I always agree with the legislature, nor does the board, uh, nor does the system um, office. It doesn't mean we all agree on these issues, and we certainly aren't, um, you know, trying to put that scenario out there. But I, when, when you see the level of professionalism and people who honestly try to work through, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the concept of statesmanship. When two sides can have, you know, a, a task before them and different ways to go about it, to be able to talk through it and negotiate and come to a good decision, knowing that the ultimate outcome will be, you know, stronger campuses, stronger universities and colleges, and that we have student success. So I, I'm, I'm just, that's what I'm referring to. I like to see us working together and, uh, and, and negotiating. We've had some controversy recently over over sports specifically and at the University of North Dakota cutting some programs. Um, I think the one that's probably got the most attention, uh, although certainly not to not to suggest that any of the other cuts are, are less important. But the women's hockey team getting cut in, in particular has has drawn a lot of attention. Do you think they're making the right moves there at UND? I'm going to. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought this one up, and I, I will tell you. And I, you know, I'm going to say this with in full disclosure, as everybody always says. You're talking to a former brown panda, um, and that means nothing to anybody probably in this listening audience, Rob. But I will tell you that means that. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm a little confused. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with me. It's relevant. I am. I. I played women's ice hockey at Brown University. So I, I come to this with, with truly, truly loving the program, the UND women's hockey. The main thing about that program is it has such a forward um, look to it. It such, has such a bright future. I am the backward look. I am the, I am the, you know, the, the old 
student who was a uh, women's ice hockey player. So I ha- it has a special part um, in my life, and I would love to see the program move forward. That being said, the board, the State Board of Higher Education, gives this entire authority to, you know, to the president, to the athletic director, to the coaches, to determine which are the best programs um, in the group, you know, in what needs to be in what needs to be cut, trimmed, or changed. And the board, I, I will say that I know the board members, we do not want to um, go in and, and, and lay, you know, a hand on that. That is truly up to the president, um, to, to um, President Kennedy at UND. Obviously, and, and, and I understand that you want to give the president has his job to do and you're not going to micromanage him from the board. And I, I understand mm-hmm. that. Do you feel like as, as a general question, though, because we start looking at some of the finances at NDSU, at UND, and we see where these programs do not revenue flow. I mean, even even the biggest programs uh, at best break even. And there's a lot of relationships there with the foundation and everything. But just based on isolating all the money that flows into the foundations and everything, just isolating the revenues at the universities, I mean, it costs money. I mean, the students have to kick in fees. The institutions have to kick in fees. Do we too, do too much in the way of sports? I don't think so. And, you know, that's a, it's such a good question, though. Boy, I'll tell you, to talk about this, what I'm going to say is that I like to see what revenues, when it comes to one or the other, and unfortunately, you know, there are some of those times happening now, uh, this board is going to weigh on favoring, obviously, the academics. And we must stay with the, you know, with the course and the academics. But I will tell you that I, I put a real strength into our, acad- into our athletics programs as well. And it's more than just the revenue. It's more than just, you know, the teams winning, and it's more than just the revenue and the dollars going into it. It is the, you know, it is the discipline and the entire sports um, package benefit to each one of these young adults as a human being, which must be, must be taken into account. So there's a much bigger story than just the dollars um, going into these programs. Switching back to, I guess, the topic we started with, you, you talked about the board having a better relationship with the legislature, better communication with the legislature. And I agree. I, I sense a, a change in the way higher ed. I, I feel like things have been less turbulent over the last couple of years. What do you think has led to that? I mean, how, how, what, what did you do to improve communication? I mean, how did you accomplish that? Um, number one, it's because we have a fantastic board put together. This board works. It is just, I will say, it is the best group of professionals um, that I have worked with at this level. So this board is, is a group of true, um, caring, compassionate um, professionals who want to get the job done, as were different boards in the past that I was on. As you know, I was on the board since 2012. So there have been some changes. What have we done? Um, we talk. You know, we listen. Uh, we, we have, uh, we've, we've worked very well with the interim higher ed committee, um, both with uh, Representative uh, Sanford and Striley, um, you know, with the leadership at Interim Higher Ed over the past um, year, year and a half, I guess it's been. There's just been listening to one another. Um, I think that's what I think that's where, at least where the where the found work, uh, foundation is, and where the groundwork has to be put together. You, you feel like that wasn't happening in the past? That I mean, were the two sides just like talking past each other? If they, if we were talking, it wasn't, it wasn't effective. 
you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not trying to be critical or any. I'm just trying to learn and move forward. And I would say that, you know, there's one one way to to say that you're working together. There's another way to effectively, you know, hear what somebody is saying. And when we have legislators who have concerns, because I respect that position. I'm, you know, this board. I am a member of, you know, this board, and we're appointed. But the, you know, the legislators are. Are, the, are, are hired by the taxpayer. So every time they're dealing with those dollars, those, those public dollars, they have a responsibility to do what the public wants, and I, I recognize and I, you know, I respect that. On the other hand, I like to think that the board has the, has the, um, the assistance and they have the experts in the cabinet, in the presidents of these campuses and universities and the system office. We rely on, as a board, we rely you know, completely, you know, for for guidance and expertise from the cabinet and from the system office. I think we have a great, great um, group put together. Well, I, I think I think the, the results have shown, and, and hopefully it's a, it's a trend that could continue. Kathy, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Kathy Nassett, president of the State Board of Higher Education. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Rob Report on 970 WDAY. Welcome back. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Wrapping the show up. Some sad news out of Morton County. There is a, uh, a man from uh, Glendale, California. Uh, this, his body was found last night uh, along the, uh, the Cannonball River. Um, and he, um, he was a man, I, I guess he was known to have been at the protest camps. He was found dead yesterday at uh, Morton County, identifying him today. His name was, uh, I think it's Damon Nedokovsky. Uh, he's 35 from Glendale, California, uh, found dead along the banks of the Cannonball River. So, and he had been at the protest camps. I, you know, not a lot of details yet on on why he died. Uh, the The press release says the autopsy showed there was no trauma uh, to the body or any suspected foul play. The cause of death is still pending. Uh, and authorities are unsure how long the body was in the river, so I guess it's it's not it's not clear if if maybe this was a situation where um, you know he had gotten lost, you know, back in all that snow we had back in December. Um, I don't know. His family and friends uh, say that their last contact with him was in October. Uh, his stepbrother filed a missing person report with the Clendale Police Department in November, November sixteenth. So he apparently had been missing for some time. Um, anyway, just all politics aside, terrible thing. And I, I think we were able to get through the protests without any deaths. Um, but I guess, I, I, I guess now we learn maybe, maybe there was one, uh, that, that nobody was aware of. So certainly a sad situation, not anything that anybody is, uh, is happy about. Uh, it just, it makes me sad, Natil, because like, like I said, we had gotten through, um, we had gotten through this for, you know, with, without anybody dying, you know, as, as intense as those clashes were, um, nobody died. I mean, some people got hurt, but nobody had died. And now we learn that I, I guess maybe somebody did. Yeah. And I guess we'll have to wait and trust that the, the law enforcement out in Morton County will do a very good and thorough job and we'll figure out 
what exactly happened here. Which I, I'm sure they were. I mean, this is obviously they I, apparently somebody called 911 and it had seen the body yesterday. Uh, so they're just they're just starting their investigation. So I'm I'm certain we'll have more details. But I mean, his family apparently he'd been missing since October. Filed a missing persons report in November. Um, he'd been missing for some time. So I don't know. It's a tragedy though. Uh, just just terrible and, and unfortunate. Uh, Jay Thomas show coming up next. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'll stick around and talk with Jay. And I have a feeling Jay and I are going to debate a little bit over this campus athletics thing. Uh, but let's uh, before we end the show, let's sneak in a caller. Joe, you're up, Joe. What's going on? Uh, you know, I just came out to mine out here to do some business. And uh, I was wondering if there's any good buffets out here. I figured you would know where there would be a good buffet. Why would I? I uh... No, I guess I'm not aware of any. Why? Why? Why am I the expert on buffets? Because you live in Minot. Yeah, there is. That's <laughs> what I thought. There, where's a good place to go eat? Well, um, I like Charlie's Main Street Cafe downtown. I think it's great. Okay. Yeah, I take the family there. All right, thanks, Roger. Okay, well, <laughs> well, glad uh, glad we can help Joe out with his. Uh, with his dining, with his lunch date. Well, you know, it's not very often that you end up with somebody who's, you know, gone out to Minot for business. So you're you're the expert on Minot. You're our resident Minot expert. A lot of people come to Minot for business. <laughs> all right, we're a bustling community out here. Oh, okay. You know, you people from Fargo. There's this whole other state out here that's <laughs> west of the Red River Valley. Are you sure about that? People Are you people sure? actually live and work and enjoy themselves. No, out here. I, I think it uh, ends right after West Fargo. <laughs> it ends, yeah, that's right after Castleton. Oh, I guess yeah, Castleton's a real place. I heard somebody. I I remember one time I was debating online, and somebody was talking about like uh, Western North Dakota, and they were referring to Castleton. It's like, what planet are you living on? <laughs> Ah, I kid. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. That's it for the Rob Report today. Remember, you can always catch me 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on 970 WDAY or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.